Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. Last week we began a series that we're calling God Never Said That. God Never Said That. Because there's some common myths that we believe about God. And we, we love to tell people sometimes when the situation is right some of these phrases. And we'll make these statements hoping that we can encourage somebody or maybe console them in a time of difficulty. Uh, maybe we'll say things like if a relative passes away, we'll say, well, God just needed another angel in heaven. Um, or, or maybe something happens that we can't explain, we'll say, well, you know, God works in mysterious ways. And, and, and it might sound good, like while these statements might sound good in that moment when we're sharing them with someone, you actually can't find them anywhere in the Bible. That idea is not anywhere. So for the rest of the month, we're continuing to look at some of these common myths that we believe about God that just aren't in the Bible, and we're looking at what God actually says about those ideas. So last week we talked about the statement that God just wants you happy. God just, I don't know, maybe you've heard that before. God just wants you happy. If you, if you missed last week's message, uh, go back and you can listen to it on the podcast. It was a good one. Um, and then next week we're going to cover the phrase, uh, just follow your heart. If you don't know what to do, just follow your heart. It won't lead you wrong. Um, plot twist. Yes, it will. Okay. I don't want to ruin the message, but it's going, it will lead you wrong. But then uh, the final week, we're going to talk about the idea that it doesn't matter what you believe. You hear, a lot, you hear this a lot from maybe Hollywood and, and those big people, big names out there. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something. And we're going to address that idea as well in the final week of the series. But I wonder... Have you ever been through a, a tough time? Like maybe you had a, a lot of weight on your shoulders. Uh, you're going through life and you find out that uh, the term is true, that when it rains, it pours. And just stuff keeps on getting piled on. And no matter what you did, it just felt like bad things kept on coming your way. And then you have a, a well-meaning Christian that, um, that and let me, let me emphasize that, they don't mean wrong, like they're well-meaning but they, but they start trying to encourage you and they, they give you one of Christianity's favorite phrases. They, you just, you can't handle it. You're, you're telling them, you're like, I need you to pray for me. And they'll say, they'll hit you with one of these. Well, you stay strong because God won't give you more than you can handle. And for a moment, it kind of empowers you, right? You're like, oh. Okay, well, it might make, me, might make me feel strong in that moment and, and a little bit invulnerable to the attacks of life because certainly God knows what he's putting on your shoulders and, and God won't, will, won't give you more bad things than you can handle. And that phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And right off the bat, I'm going to spoil this for you and I'm going to tell you the truth about the phrase, God never said that. He never said that. You can't find it anywhere in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible. You can search long and hard. Are you going to be able to find the phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle? 
And so I'm sorry this morning if you're currently finding your strength in that idea. Maybe something to, uh, someone told you this statement and you've been trying to hang on to it because you're currently going through a rough time. But what I am going to do this morning is I'm going to help you out because I'm going to give you something that is so much more stable to put your hope in. Now, I think I have an idea where this idea comes from because uh, I've studied it. I've been like, man, there's, it's not right, but where could it possibly? Because somebody didn't just make this up, right? Like it's got to come from somewhere, this idea. And, and as, as I've been looking through the Bible, I do find one passage that is seemingly very close to this phrase, but it's just a few degrees off. And you find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says this, that no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And here's where it is. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. This is most likely the section of scripture where this idea comes from that God won't give you more than you can handle. But in reality, this verse is not saying he won't give you more than you can handle. It's saying that God won't let you be tempted by evil beyond what you can bear. And if you are tempted by evil, by sin, by, by issues, that, that he is always going to provide a way out of that temptation. See, there's big differences between those two ideas. But if you only listen to what your grandma said, or if you only listen to your Christian neighbor down the street, what they say, or, or sometimes if you only listen to what that country preacher says, you might read through this verse, and you might read it through the, the wrong lens. And I want, to, I want to exhort you this morning. That's, that word exhort is like a biblical term that means to address someone and just and urge them to do something. You'll find it in the Bible. I want to exhort you this morning. I want to urge you this morning to never read the Bible through the lens of someone else's ideas. Never read the Bible and allow what someone else has told you to shape what you believe about a passage. Yes, I know that can, that can be dangerous. I'm a pastor standing up here and I'm telling you not to let my ideas shape the way that you perceive the Bible. And I'm not telling you not to listen on Sundays. I'm telling you to always read the Bible for yourself and determine for yourself with no outside influences what does the, what does the Bible say about itself. And that also means that you need to be reading the Bible for yourself. Like, don't, don't ever go somewhere and listen to a message and just trust that you were told the truth. Because, man, people are human. People get it wrong. And I don't, I don't want us to be a church of people that are following Pastor Michael's ideas. I want us to be a church that's following Jesus. And so read the Bible for yourself, and you decide what it says. You decide what that, what that passage means. And, and listen, if you have trouble interpreting it, I'd be happy to come in. But I don't want you to base everything that you know about Jesus on what I'm telling you. I want you to read it for yourself. And what this is going to do, it's, it's going to ensure that your beliefs will always be your beliefs. And, and, and they'll always be founded on the truth that you know. Because there's danger when we begin to listen to other people's ideas about the Bible without reading it for ourselves. And this is how a lot of these wrong ideas about God get put into circulation within our groups. 
is people just listening to what someone else is saying, but they're not reading it and finding it for themselves. So this idea that, that God won't give you more than you can handle, I want to break it down today based on some scripture, and I want us to see what God really says about that idea. There's actually quite a few places in scripture where, where that shows us that God will, in fact, let us go through more than we can handle. There's so many places in scripture. Uh, there's a young man named Gideon in the book of Judges. And, uh, and, and God tells Gideon that he wants Gideon, this young man, to save the whole nation of Israel from a nation called Midian. They weren't, they weren't Gradian. They were, just, they were just a little mid. Now, that was funny. I don't care who you are. That was funny, okay? But, so, so Midian, they were the okayest nation on the planet at the time. Okay, I'm done, I'm done. So God tells Gideon that he's gonna be the one that saves Israel from the Midianites. And Gideon, he knows that this is too big a task for him. And he answers God like this. He says, pardon me, Lord. I don't know, I'll read it in a British. We read it in a British accent, right? Because, um, because that's how they portray every disciple on TV. No, Gideon says this, Judges chapter six, verse 15. He says, pardon me, my Lord. Now I'm reading in a British accent in my head and I can't stop. <laughs> His name's even Gideon. I'm like, this dude is British for sure. I'm just joking. He was, he was browner than you and me. Uh, so, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? He says, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. He's like, huh. like my clan is the weakest and I'm the weakest of the weakest. And you're telling me to do this. Like, this is a little more than I can handle. And so God responds and he says this. He says, oh, you're right, you're right, right. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put more on you than you could handle. No, <laughs> that's not what God says. This is how he actually responds. Uh, in verse 16, he says, I'll be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. That's not how God works anymore, okay? Like it's just, this is how the Crusades happened. Uh, but he says, leaving none alive. And this, this kind of sounds like the opposite of the phrase that we're talking about today. Like, that's because it is. That, that God gave Gideon more than he could handle. But then God empowered Gideon to do it. There are stories like this all throughout the Bible that we're not even going to get into today because it would take the rest of the day. But I want to tell you all of that to say this, that all throughout the Bible, we see stories of people doing things that go well beyond the scope of their ability to handle it because God gets involved with them. There's one more passage that I do want us to look at this morning as we talk about this idea in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, as you're turning there, I can, uh, you don't have to flip to it yet. I got a little bit to talk. But uh, as you're turning there uh, in your Bibles, whatever, following along on your message notes, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it's written by a man named Paul. And Paul was an apostle of the church to, uh, of not just, I mean, not just one church, like he had a, a lot of churches that he was 
the apostle of. Um, in fact, he planted all of these churches. He started them from the ground up on the Mediterranean coast, and he oversaw them. So he was the one that, like, the pastors would, uh, they would answer to. Like, let me tell you, like, pastors need a pastor. Pastor needs somebody. Like, I've got a pastor in my life. I've got many uh, overseers that I can lean on in my trouble. So he was kind of like the overseer of the pastors of these churches, And he was one of the people that God entrusted the early church to. And he was, so he was like a big name. He was in a position of authority within the church. Super spiritual guy. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we see that Paul had an issue. The way that he states it is that he says, I I have a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan that plagued him. And he pleaded with God three times to take it away from him. Not like he asked three times over three minutes, God, please take it away, God, please take it away, God, please. That's not, it's not like Beetlejuice, 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 you know. (laughs) They're coming out with a new one, I don't know, I think. Yep, they are. Uh, So it's not like he asked them real quick, but these were, this was over like long periods of time that Paul pleaded for God to take away this thing. Now, scholars disagree on what it was, and, and, and I have my own thoughts, but I'm not even going to try to take a shot at it this morning because that's not the point of this portion of Scripture. We have a whole bunch of people that argue about, well, what was Paul's thorn? And they miss the whole point. The point is not the thorn. The point is what Paul writes in verse 9. So in verse 8, he says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. In verse 9, But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Listen, the point was never the thorn It was never the messenger from Satan. The point is what God said, that no matter what we face in this life, he says this to you, that my grace is sufficient for that. My grace will cover it. My grace is sufficient. And and you think of grace as God's forgiveness, but it's so much more than that. Grace is the empowerment, the spiritual enablement in order to live out this life that God has called us to live. He says, my grace is sufficient. Anything that you're facing, my grace is enough. So this morning, I want to break down this passage. I want to look at a few key ideas, starting with number one. I need every one of us to know this right off the bat. Number one, bad things don't come from God. Bad things don't come from God. You say, well, Paul had a thorn in his side. He said he was a messenger from Satan, not from God. Bad things don't come from God. And I'm going to wreck your theology this morning if that's what you believe. Like, oh, man, God, God just God put cancer on them, but I'd rather it be on me than on somebody else. You ever heard somebody say that? I'd rather me have the cancer than some child out there. That's not how it works. <laughs> God doesn't put bad things on people. Bad things don't come from God. And I know there's so many beliefs out there surrounding this idea. And honestly, you might see this as controversial, but I would challenge you to read the Bible for yourself and show me one place where God delivered bad things to his people. 
I've been studying the Bible for 16 years now, and I've not found it. And, and yet, we have a lot of beliefs about God that if we're going through bad things, well, God's just refining us. He, he, put me, he put me in the fire so I could be refined on the other side of it. Listen, God didn't put you in the fire, but he is standing there with you. He didn't put you there, but he has not left you while you're there. The Bible actually says this, James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. It says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Listen, you need to pay attention to verses that begin with, don't be deceived. Or truly I tell you, because when this was written, it was written because there were people that were being deceived. And there are still people that are being deceived. He says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Listen, every good and perfect gift is from above. Is what you're experiencing right now good and perfect? If not, then it didn't come from above. Some of y'all are like, I knew my kids were from hell. I, I knew it. I knew it. We're not talking about them. Okay? <laughs> Messengers from Satan. This is the thorn in Paul's side. He had a little three-year-old that wouldn't leave him alone. Every good and perfect gift. That wasn't even my notes. That just came to me through the Holy Spirit. We'll just say it. I'm just joking. It probably wasn't. It was a spirit. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. But every good and perfect gift comes from above. If, it, if it's not good and it's not perfect, it came from somewhere else, but it wasn't God. How many of you as good parents, right? We got some good parents in here. How many of you, of you with, as good parents, you'd say, you know what? I want my child to toughen up. So I'm going to throw him in a boxing ring with Mike Tyson. They may not win, but they're going to toughen up. No way. <laughs> They'll die. But, or maybe you say this, I'm going I'm to put my kid directly into the middle of a war zone so that they can learn from the experience. No, putting our children in, in, in certain harm's way is no way to instruct them in the way of life. We can't help it if one day they might find themselves in bad spots. And yes, their character will probably be developed in those moments, but we would never willingly as good parents put them there. And are we better parents than God? <laughs> Absolutely not. Matthew chapter 7 Verses 9 through 11, Jesus says this. He says, which of you, if your sons ask for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, Jesus was wild sometimes, he was savage. Uh, though you're evil, you know how to good, give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God wants to give us good gifts. And if you aren't experiencing good things, we can't put the blame on God because here's where we're going to run into issues with our faith. Let's say someone we know gets, gets very sick. 
or maybe, maybe we get very sick. How can we ever pray for God to heal them or to heal us if in the back of our mind we might be thinking that the sickness came from God to start with? Why would we ever pray? You, you can't pray in faith believing that God is going to heal you from something that he caused in you. And if you're in that situation this morning, let me help you. That situation did not come from God. And God gives us the ability through the authority of Jesus to speak healing over that sickness. But we will never see people healed if we wonder if God gave them the sickness or if we doubt that God truly wants to heal them. You'll never see it happen. The same thing in life when we talk about being poor or being depressed or being or anything like that. If, if we believe that God wants uh, that, those bad things in our life to develop our character, we will never live the abundant life that Jesus talks about in John chapter 10, verse 10. Never. Bad things don't come from God. They either come from consequences of our actions... Or, let me just tell you, because we currently live in a broken and a fallen world. And that's part of where we're living right now. Sickness happens. Because Adam and Eve ate the apple. Blame them. <laughs> they ate the apple. It wasn't even an apple. I don't know why I said that. It was some fruit. But blame Adam and Eve. Don't blame God. Blame them. Because the world is broken and fallen because they rebelled against God. And now we deal with the consequences you didn't earn the bad thing. You just have to deal with it because God hasn't returned for his people yet. But listen, he will. There's going to be a day where you don't have to deal with it anymore. If you find yourself in relationship with Jesus, there's going to be a day where sickness doesn't exist anymore. Evil things don't happen anymore. I hope that you find yourself in the family of Christ when he comes back. Second point this morning, even though God doesn't cause the bad things, number two, God won't, you, won't let you handle the bad things alone. He won't let you handle bad things alone. Like I said earlier, you might be going through the fire in life right now, and God didn't make the fire, but he is absolutely with you in the middle of it. God didn't make the storms of life that you're going through, but he will always be present with you while you're going through them. Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is recruiting disciples to follow him. He's going through and he's starting his ministry and he's recruiting these disciples. And in this portion of scripture, he, he's just finished recruiting. And he tells all his disciples, he says, follow me. And then he gets into a boat and all of his disciples follow him into that boat and they set out over this vast lake. And in verse 24, it says this, suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're gonna drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And listen, when I read these words from Jesus, it's not, a, it's not him condemning them. They barely know the guy. <laughs> like, 
He's saying, man, guys, you have so little faith. Why are you so afraid of this? And then listen, he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves and it was completely calm. Jesus said, follow me. And then before they knew it, the disciples were in the middle of a storm. Which, by the way, can happen whether you're following Jesus or whether you're not. You can still go through troubles in life. And Jesus promises that no matter what, you will go through troubles. And the disciples, they, they panicked at the storm and they shouted and they woke Jesus. Jesus turns and he rebukes the storm and everything was calm. But listen, in that moment, Jesus hadn't left them. He was sleeping because he was at peace. But he was right there the entire time. Don't let the presence of trouble cause you to doubt the presence of God. Don't let the presence of trouble cause you to doubt the presence of God. Even if you're going through tough times, God is still there and he is still near to you. We can even see this from the the story that sometimes God's best for us in a situation is not necessarily for him to calm the storm in our lives, but for us to find the perfect peace in him. Like Jesus was sleeping and he wakes up and he says, hey, you, a little faith, why are you so afraid? Jesus didn't intend to wake up. He didn't intend to stand up and silence the storms. He wasn't like fake in sleep. He wasn't, we used to call it playing possum. Like he wasn't playing possum. He wasn't laying there fake in sleep. <laughs> Wait till the disciples try to wake me up. Like he wasn't doing that. He was at perfect peace in this storm. And then he, he stands up and he's like, guys, what are you so afraid of? Because they could have been sleeping too. Why? Because he was with them. Because he was with them the whole time. In the troubles of our storms, we have to choose to turn away from fear and lean into faith. Because God is with you in those moments too. He hasn't ever left you and he doesn't plan to leave you now. He won't let you handle the bad things alone. And then finally, number three, our weakness invites God's strength. Our weakness invites God's strength. God knows that there are things that we can't handle. We're imperfect. He knows it. He has a plan to fix it, but for now, he knows it and he steps in for us. And I don't know how many of you have ever like uh, lifted weights before in your life. I used to do quite a bit of weightlifting when I was younger, when I was in school, when I was competing. And then, uh, and when I was lifting heavy weight or maybe even like lifting lightweight a bunch of times, I would always have what's called a spotter. And the spotter has one job. They stand behind that person that's lifting. And if they see that weight start to drop at all, when that person's trying to, to push it, they catch it. And they help that weight up the rest of the way. I had this personal trainer in school. His name was Coach Marcy. 
And he was a big bodybuilder, just huge dude, nice as could be, but, but also like motivated us in scary ways, <laughs> like push ourselves. And I trusted him with every single weight that I ever lifted because I knew that I looked at him and he could lift three or four times with his pinky toe what I was lifting that day. And so, like, we'd go work out with him five times, a, five days a week, and he'd always be my spotter. And, and, and so I'd be on the bench, and I would just be, um, like, lifting at the end of my set, and I would go to press that bar up one more time. And, and I don't know if you've ever felt this before, but there is a moment where you hit, and you just can't. Like, your muscles will not go anymore and my muscles just gave out. And that bar starts to drop. And before I know it, Coach Marcy had caught that bar. No stress, no issues, no struggles. And he helps me lift that bar back onto the rack. Sometimes he would make me do one more rep for character building or something, he called it, but I still don't, just, I think he was just me. So anyway, but you know what? I was never nervous because I knew that when I was lifting and when he was spotting me, he was looking for one thing. He was looking for the moment when my strength failed. And every single time he stepped in and he finished it for me. You guys see where I'm going with this? You can say it like this, that he was looking for the moment when my weakness took over so he could exert his strength over the situation. And you have a God today who is keeping an eye out for your weakness. He's keeping an eye out for the moment where your strength fails so that he can step in and use his strength. This is the God that we serve today. You serve a God that is spotting you 100% of the time. And he's looking for it. And the moment that you start to fail, he steps in. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10 says, This is why, for Christ's sake, this is Paul writing this. This is why, for Christ's sake, that I delight in weaknesses. I delight in my weakness and in insults and in hardships and in persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak then I'm strong. He says, for when I am weak, then I'm strong because he knows that when he's at the end of his self, that's when God steps in to spot him. I know that when I'm weak, that's when God steps in and makes me strong because my true strength doesn't lie in myself, but in God. And I'm gonna help you out this morning. If you've ever been given a task by God, if he's ever given you something to do, it is going to be more than you can handle. It's gonna be, if it's truly from God, he is gonna give you more than you can handle. That is the point. God won't give you more than you can handle. Wrong. God will absolutely give you more than you can handle. 
because he isn't in it to show how amazing you are, but he wants through you for the world to see how amazing he is. God gives us more than we can handle, so we have to depend on him. We can't handle it alone. Like that's the whole point. That's why we need him. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that when we are weak, Lord, you are still strong. God, I thank you that your word says that even when we're faithless, even when we, when we can't believe, even when we're struggling, even when we're weak, you are still faithful. That your promises never run dry. They never run out. That if you've spoken it, you mean it. And God, I thank you that you are the spotter for our lives. That when we start to fail, when our strength starts to fail, you step in and you give us your strength. And God, I pray right now for everybody that might be struggling in this place today, that they might be going through a season of life that just seems too much for them to handle. I pray today that we find our answer in you, that we find our strength in you. Because God, you are more than enough. Your grace is sufficient, Lord. But God, I just pray, we stop turning everywhere else and we direct our attention back to you. Say, God, take over. God, take over. In Jesus' name. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.